Welcome to the Stay Unmuted podcast. My name is Kathy Trin, executive search consultant turned lifestyle entrepreneur and culture connector. Each week we'll bring you powerful interviews and on-the-go inspo to help you unlock your inner mastery. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's unmute our mics and stay unmuted. On today's episode, I have the honor of having Regina Lawless, the Director of Diversity Talent Management at Meta, formerly Facebook, on the show. Regina joined the company in November of 2020 as the Head of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for Instagram. Aside from her primary role, Regina is the leadership coach, DI consultant, and founder of Bossy and Blissful, a membership community for high-achieving Black women to connect, grow, and restore balance. We're going to be talking about her incredible career journey as a Black woman leader in corporate and a deeply personal journey of healing from the sudden loss of her husband and the lessons that she has learned. Regina and I are going to have a heart-to-heart, real-talk conversation about balancing the stress, pressure of being a leader, and having a personal life. I hope you enjoy this amazing conversation. With all those leaders and all those empowered women up on stage, I turned around and I said, there is a goddess like right there, right in front of me. Oh, you're too kind. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And likewise, I have to say, so thank you first of first and foremost, Kathy, for having me and inviting me on the podcast. And I remember we met, like, well, first I saw you, you had on this gorgeous red dress. And <laughs> And I had to tell you, cause I'm like, I'm a, a fashion girl. So I admired your dress. And then we were sitting next to each other. Are you actually right in front of me? And when you turned around, I'm like, this woman is amazing. Like I could just feel your energy and your presence and your positivity. So oh, I'm happy to be here. I read your bio and I was just blown away. 20 years of experience, you know, just trudging that road, just slow and easy one day at a time being in the human resources space takes a lot of, a lot of passion and a lot of grit since we are in the human business and fascinated by human growth and human potential for a long time. And I'm so sorry. My dog wants to hang out with us too. That's okay. I guess we'll just cl- include it all, right? There you go. We'll include <laughs> it all. Yeah. You know, as we're having this conversations, there's billions of thoughts and billions of conversations happening in the world. And especially working in at Meta, I mean, formerly Facebook, we can imagine all the conversations and, you know, all the data that's being exchanged right now. So another dog, you know, barking, you know, <laughs> so just include him all in this conversation. Exactly. He can't compete <laughs> with all the DMs and the reels and the... <laughs> So perfect. Well, I'm just, like I said, I'm just like, I'm really fascinated. I'm really excited about this conversation. 20 years I've been studying and observing, um, extraordinary leaders. I'm so honored. I have the privilege of sitting in front of a, an extraordinary leader like yourself. If you can just let our audience know whatever you'd like to share and start off with, we'll just go ahead and use that and we'll just kick off. Oh, yes. So how did I 
kind of find myself in this human resources business and and kind of where I am in 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 my career to this point like how did how did that come about yeah okay well it 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 did it all start with my upbringing. So I um, I grew up in a town in Northern California um, that was right next to one of the most affluent zip codes in the country. So I grew up in East Palo Alto, which borders Palo Alto, which most people know for Stanford University and um, really sits in as the bedrock of Silicon Valley. And so, um, but East Palo Alto, where I grew up, was the complete opposite, Um, especially in the 80s. um, That community was just riddled with... um, crime and violence and and drugs and like a lot of American cities were in in the 80s and so um so seeing that really gave me a sense very early on what it means to have not <laughs> versus people who have a lot um and so I just began to observe because my mom used to have to go over into Palo Alto and the surrounding areas to go um, do banking, to go to the grocery store, all of the services that you, you know a normal community has, a thriving community, a lot of that wasn't, wasn't present in my mostly black and, and, and Hispanic or Latinx community. Um, so uh, against that backdrop, two things I learned that um, just life is different for some people. Not everybody has the access and opportunity that they should. And my parents taught me to combat that work hard and get an education. And so that's really what I did. That was the mindset my entire life and my career is just to work hard. So I was like, um, honor role student, extracurricular activities, um, you know, working, going to college. I went to the army reserve. I was in the army reserve for six years or so. Um, but that was me super driven, super ambitious, um, wanted to continue to move up. And I chose human resources. It's kind of funny. You would think with that background that I was like, I knew I was going to do something around social justice or equity. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I <laughs> didn't. It was actually happenstance. I had the choice when I was graduating. I got a uh, my bachelor's degree in communication studies. And I, at that time, I, it probably still happens to this day, but, you know, companies come and they look to recruit graduates. And it was a, an insurance company and it was Target, the retailer. And so I just had a quick, like, flash forward. And I was like, I do not want to be in insurance. Like, and no shade to anyone who does that <laughs> for a living, but that just was not, I could not see myself working in insurance. So I chose the job at Target and then it was a manager training program and you got to pick your department that you wanted to train in and HR was available. And I said, okay, I like people. I get along well with people. And so that was really the how I got into HR. And then over the years, I've just... Um, I've stuck with HR because I really, truly care about people and seeing them be successful at work. And in this latter part of my career, um, that's when I put pivoted to DEI um, and c- kind of came back to my roots around equity and fairness. Some of those lessons that I learned as a little girl. 
Mm, I love it. What a beautiful way to put on to display um, and encapsulate, uh, get your boots on the ground at Target. Cause I can only imagine like, there's a lot of people complaining all the time and you know, Every you've, day. Got, you've got customers coming in, but, but we have to learn how to, you know, in, in, as a leader and as managers, just kind of, you know, being, having grace and having compassion. And that's what I'm hearing from you. You know, your upbringing was hard. So you have the compassion to be able to relate to people, you know, eye to eye that way. Yeah. And I, I definitely, I attribute that to my upbringing and then also in HR. So I, before I became a people leader myself, I started out as an HR business partner. And so my role was to coach leaders. And oftentimes what leaders came to me with were either um, performance issues or it was a conduct issue. Somebody was doing something inappropriate in the workplace. And so through that, particularly with the performance stuff, I got to really understand people um, and understand what motivates people at work, what trips them up. And through that, I learned fundamentally, nobody wants to underperform. Nobody wants to do a bad job at work. Most often it's a disconnect between what the person has been asked to do um, oftentimes I find it's the manager who hasn't taken the time to fully, you know, set expectations or train the employee or whatever the case may be mm -hmm. having those, that clear dialogue. But I, I, I developed a lot of compassion for people because I would do, I would mediate these performance issues. So at one particular company that turned into almost my entire job was helping me. <laughs> it was so bad. This department I supported, like almost all of the people in the department were on a PIP, which is like a performance improvement plan. And so that I like, I became like the PIP lady in HR. <laughs> Oh my God. I'm going to totally call you the pip lady. <laughs> so I, would have, <laughs> I would have managers like lining up at my desk, like my coworkers would be like, what is wrong? Like, why are all these managers in this function? Like it would, it was like a revolving door. Like every day there'd be a different manager coming down to get advice and get me to help them with the pip. But it's sitting in those meetings because the way our company did it, you would have to put someone on for 12 weeks and each week you would have a consultative meeting with them with, with HR present. And I developed so much empathy for the manager, but, but I have to say more so the employee, because oftentimes I would find that the manager didn't take the time to really get to know the person and set the person up for success. And so that's mm -hmm. when I figured out like, okay, like I, I get it now what happens like this person, yes, they're underperforming, but we didn't help them when, when they first started, like they're, we did not set the person up for success. So as a leader, I understand that having mediated so many of those conversations and being on, having been on the receiving end as well. Cause I'm not, you know, I haven't always had great managers, so I know what it's like to not get the support you need. And so I, using that compassion, I make sure that I, I do my best to, to support my team. So I told you I was driven and ambitious. So, um, Aside from being a wife and a mom, I was busy charting my corporate career. Like every couple of years, I was changing roles or changing companies because I was so focused on moving up the ladder. Like when I started in HR, 
I was like, okay, I'm going to be a director. And then at some point I was like, I would love to be a VP or head of HR. So that was my, um, that was my line of sight. And that's Mm -hmm. what I, that was Mm -hmm. my trajectory. I kept kind of, um, climbing, climbing up that ladder and and trying to break the the glass ceiling. And so to the point where um, really the height of my career so far has been being the head of DEI at Instagram. So I managed to claw myself up, you know, to that position. And and that required a lot of personal sacrifice that required a lot of work. So um, commuting two hours to and from work traveling, high stress assignments, like supporting clients that were really difficult leaders, um, helping them with mergers and acquisitions and divestitures and like, like high stakes talent negotiations, like building teams, dismantling teams, like all of this high stress work um, while still trying to come home and cook dinner and do homework (laughs) with my little one. So I had gotten into a point though, you, you, when you go through that for so long, you get into a rhythm. Like most of us are in a rhythm in life. Um, so I was in a rhythm of being stressed out, burnt out, but just going through the motions because that's what, you know, you get to a point where this is what you're supposed to do. It's all that, you know, the stress and the overwhelm is all, you know. Um, and so I was still chasing. I felt like right before my husband died, I had been at Instagram for about six months and I still felt the pressure, even though, you know, this is as women and I think women of color, especially this imposter syndrome, it's like, it almost, sometimes your inner voice can tell you that it's never enough or you still have to be perfect. So I was very much in that, like, I still have so much to prove and accomplish. So against that backdrop, um, May of 2021. So coming up on two years, my husband, he passed away from a heart attack suddenly. And Mm -hmm. so, um, losing him unexpectedly completely shattered my, my world. It, it not only shattered, um, just the end of the loss of a, of a best friend. I'd been with him for 21 years. Um, but just the way my whole outlook on life, like it made me question, what am I doing all of this hustling and striving for? Mm-hmm. What am I really trying to get? Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you don't have the person that you thought you were doing all of that with and for, and, um, and just, you, ha- you lose that love of your life. It just, everything else pales in comparison. Mm, mm-hmm. And so that's really, for me, um, the immediate thing that helped me, I took three months off of work to really just get my nervous system together and deal with the grief because what they don't tell you is grief is both emotional and very physical too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to recover from that acute grief Um, And then I started journaling and Mm -hmm. writing and reflecting and doing all of this thing, group therapy, all the things, which I write about. I have a Mm -hmm. book that's going to come out early next year to tell more about that journey. But I say all that to say that the loss of my husband was the singular pivot for me Mm -hmm. to finally listen to what I had known years ago that I wasn't happy in this corporate grind um, and that I wasn't listening. I wasn't following my heart. I have such Mm -hmm. a heart for people and helping people. Mm -hmm. And I had gotten to this place of success that 
took me away from that. Um, and so this gave me an opportunity to really step back and say, okay, well, my husband's not here. My life is in, you know, chat it's in tatters. Um, so what do I want to do with the rest of my life? What do I want to do with my life force? I think that's losing him made me very, very, um, acutely aware, um, of how life can be gone in an instant, how precious life is. And so, um, through journaling and meditation and all the things I finally said, okay, like, what do I have to lose? Right. Like if I'm still here on this earth, like now's the time to go for it and also help other women, particularly black women who, um, from my own lived experience, from my girlfriends, my cousins, my, you know, my friends, my, you know, my mom, my aunties, like I've just seen us sacrifice so much, um, just to make it and just to, to, provide for ourselves and our families and we overgive, we overdo. Um, and my goal with bossy and blissful is to help not only strike a balance, right. Cause I still want us to be bossy. Like I still like, <laughs> lose the ambition girl. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we can still have the things we can still be a leader yeah. um, and have all the nice things. I don't yes. want us to like not get the bag. Um, but um I think there's a both and. I think we can do that more holistically. I think mm. we can do that with intention. I think we can do that from our heart and our soul um, and pour more into ourselves. Um, so that's really the goal. <sighs> Sister, I just felt all of that. Mm. And I just want to say thank you for giving me a gift to just, again, just being in the presence of such an overachieving powerhouse and the unfathomable loss and the excruciating pain that you must have gone through. Mm -hmm. I can only, it's just, I can only imagine, you know, and I can, I can only imagine just waking up and just not having what I had. And it's all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, my life has completely changed. Oh, Kathy, that was the worst part. And if you, you know, for, for those of your listeners who've lost someone close to them, if you yourself have lost someone, you know, that it's that it's the moments of that are so mundane, but when you don't have that person anymore, it's, it's glaring. So the, the moments I would dread waking up in the morning, because for, especially in the beginning, it was disorienting because I was so used to having him for a split second, I would forget that he was gone. Mm. And then I look over, I have a king size bed, which is not helpful when you sleep by yourself. <laughs> so I would look over and, you know, have this big empty space in my bed. And that was just a constant reminder in the beginning that he's not there anymore. And so, mm. um, so yeah. But, you know, yeah. the beauty that it, um, I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful. It makes me emotional. It's funny. I of can course. talk about so I'm him. very emotional too. <laughs> I can talk about him now without, um, some, well, sometimes I still, um, tear up, but I think what makes me more emotional now is just being grateful for the journey, um, mm -hmm. because it was hard hard. It was hard mm. to recover. And I, I have such incredible empathy for people who, um, have lost someone because, mm. or lost something big because, yes. um, it's so easy to give up. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to give up. Um, 
but I'm just grateful for the fortitude for that intestinal fortitude to just keep going every day. Oh my gosh. And thank you so much for your testimony. You know, it just makes me so it's, it makes me so grateful that I know I'm also on the right path to have a chance to meet with you Mm. and everything in life is all about alignment. Yes. And it's all about divine timing. I mean, we can talk about the woo-woo stuff. I know. (laughs) Yeah, we we can talk about the woo-woo stuff. We can talk about alignments and divine order and all Mm. of that. But there's a there's a statement that that I've heard along the way. And it's like, we have to lose something in it for others to live. And Mm. you know, I have had I've lost you know, I've lost my self dignity. I've lost myself. Mm. I have lost at some point, I've lost my self identity, mm. my dignity, my self worth, my, my ambition. I lost my house. I've lost, you know, my relationship with my friends and my family. And because of the losses, we see, we, we see it life of duality. You know, without, without pain, we don't see joy, you know? And, and for me, it's like, I know that you have like this greater purpose because what I see in you is what I know is within me as well. And I know that everything that is said on this podcast and everything that we say in the next moments, you know, I, I believe that having the level of self-awareness and presence is so key so that we can help whoever is on our path. That's it. Yeah, I, that's beautifully said. Um, I do believe in divine alignment and what you just said really resonates about how loss gives you that duality and that depth. And, and I have to say, I didn't know pain. I didn't know anything could hurt as bad as losing my husband. I had never experienced that kind of pain. Um, But now that I have, oh, joy feels so like it's, and now I've even, you know, at this point in my life, I found a new love and I am experiencing that in such a rich and radiant way (laughs) because I now have the perspective of having lost. Um, When you've lost love, it puts love in a different light and and you can feel it deeper, deep, more deeply. Um, And you have so, at least speaking for me, I feel like I have so much more of an appreciation for life in the little moments. And I try to live to the fullest. Mm. And, um, and I know that's very cliche and everybody will say live life to the fullest, but in yeah. you come to the brink of not either wanting to live or almost mm-hmm. losing your life. I don't know that you truly know what that means to live, live to the fullest. Oh my gosh. Well, Regina, I want to say this, you know, and thank you for, for, you know, following up with what you just said there, you know, there were so many moments and so many dark moments in my life that I didn't want to live because I didn't know how to. Mm. And it was hard for me too, because when I, in 2018, I was diagnosed with cancer and being in being someone who is in the career of 
whether you want to call it an, a talent acquisition um, executive or recruiter or telemark telemarketer that's selling jobs or whatever the case is, <laughs> the the issue that I had for a moment during surgery um, or after surgery was that the um, and this is this is normal with my case of c- cancer. My vocal nerve um, was nicked, mm. and so therefore I was not able to speak for four months, and I was just like oh my gosh, this is horrible. Like be devastating. Because That's what you it, was, it was, that was what, what I did for a living. And there was like this identity that I had mm-hmm. and talk about having to slow down your life. You know, mm-hmm. everything it's, you know, we watch those movies where all of a sudden it just kind of goes into slow motion. You're like, stop. Oh my gosh. That's what happened. And so for, for me, and you know, you, you said, enjoying the journey. I named my book, The Journey. It's mastering this art of slowing down into a beautiful existence. And right before COVID hit, I changed my entire theme into the slowing down theme. I'm like, oh my God, this is like so perfect. Um, You know, and we we're all constantly on the go, constantly on the go. But when we really feel, you know, certain emotions, which is, um, you know, the pain and the suffering and all of that, Mm. you know, we, we, you and I both really felt it. You know, mm-hmm. what they say, we got to feel it to, to heal it, to heal it. That's you know, so true. So right? true. Yeah. So, so that leads me to asking you, you know, how did you balance, you know, your life? I know you had that realization. What are some of the practices that you, that helped you like manage stress? And if you are still practicing it today, you know, and then of course being a pressure as, you know, just being a human being, like, what are some of the things that you do, you know, on a daily basis nowadays to, to get yourself into a place of Zen? Oh my gosh. That's such a great question. And I love that you're encouraging people to pause because that's, that's really, I would say, and and that ties into the answer I'm about to give you, um, understanding how to slow down, um, and creating those moments of stillness. Um, but let me, let me first contrast that with where, what I was doing, because I was at the completely opposite end (laughs) of the spectrum. Um, as I described a little bit earlier, being a working mom, like I was always go, go, go. Mm. And I didn't believe that I didn't, how they say now you got to put your oxygen mask on first before you can help someone else. I, that did not, I had not internalized that yet. So I was all, I'm a nurturer. Like I told you, I love people. So my whole thing, I'm, I'm the oldest um, of three. So I'm like, Oh, same here. I'm the oldest of three. I get you girl. Right? So we're used to like nurturing and taking care of our siblings and like your parents have all these extra duties for you as the oldest child. And um, so I didn't know what it was like to not take care of other people, whether it at work, HR is a support function, although it should be viewed as the same as like a financer, but very, very often it's seen as a, in support to leaders and support to employees. So I'm taking care of people at work, taking care of people at home, everybody but me. And so I was exhausted, overweight had fibroids, like you name it. I I had a gazillion, you know, health issues that I ignored for years and years because I was on the go. And then when my husband died, I had to 
like I was sharing earlier, rebuild my life and kind of figure out who I wanted to be, how I wanted to live going forward. Mm. And at first, the the practices that I'll share came out of sheer, like, A, I had time because I was off. <laughs> and then it was kind of trial and error. Like I was looking for things each day to take my mind off the grief to try to steady my um, nervous system because I was dealing with anxiety and um, just sore a lot of times from the kind of aches and pains of, of grief. So I started doing yoga. I had found Kundalini yoga um, on YouTube and that was awesome. Um, I started meditating and meditation is something I have tried multiple times throughout the years, but my mind is so active, so busy all the time. It was always a struggle for me to meditate. But what I picked up during my bereavement leave was doing the Kundalini yoga or some sort of like yoga practice or stretching and then meditating um, has been a really nice way for me to ease into it because you're all, you've already kind of settled your nervous system and like relaxed yourself. Then it was much easier for me to sit and meditate for like five minutes. And in that stillness, a lot of things would come up for me. A lot of um, just affirmations or um just visions of like what I see in my future, um, just things that were kind of just sitting on my heart. I, when I'm meditating or when I have that quiet time, um, I can, I can hear, I can sense, I can feel those things coming up for mm. me. So, so I do, I try to do that as often as I can. I have to say in the last few weeks, as I've been, um, busy at work, I've not been as, you know, adhering to my own medicine as much as I, uh -huh. I should, but that's something that's helped. Um, and also I do little things too, like in terms of balancing. So as a, as a busy executive, it's really hard to control your schedule, as you know. Um, but I've developed a, a few hacks for <laughs> how to manage my time for one, like I, um, I really try to look at my, like I, I, I meet with my admin at the end of the week and I do that by design. And this could be done if you don't have an admin. I know like that sounds fancy, but if you, like, for just, if you own your own calendar, you can do this. But <laughs> sometimes the admin causes a little bit more stress because now you're gonna have to follow up on and kind of give directions. So I like to manage my own calendar sometimes. Oh, yeah. It's a blessing and a curse. Right. <laughs> Sounds fancy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but what I enjoy about, I've gotten in a good rhythm with my admin where good. we look at the next week or two out mm -hmm. and I have her block just working time for me. Mm -hmm. And that has been a, one of the game changers because it's so easy to get your calendar filled up with back-to-back -back meetings. And so I have her every single day. And sometimes I don't always get that time, but I still have her block every day, some working time for me. I've also had her start blocking like the lunch hour. So I can either do a quick workout or actually eat lunch. <laughs> there you go. So doing that and also what I try to do is really think, be more discriminate about the meetings that I take. So before I lost my husband, again, I was like, 
I'll do it. I'll take it. I'll, I'll meet all the things I was trying to do be all the things for all the people. And now, and I don't, maybe it's just age too, Kathy. Cause now I'm like, I'm tired. I don't have time for all this every day. So what do I really need to accomplish this week? Who do I really need to meet with? Can you meet with someone on my team? Can, does this even need to be a meeting? So I have a little um, method I've I've developed that I call like the 3D time management framework. Ooh. Yeah, but yeah. I, kind of, I kind of think about, can I defer something? Um, can I delegate it? Can I delete it? Because sometimes things don't even need to be done um, and we're just so used to doing them or have a false sense of external pressure that it has to be done. Some things are just unnecessary. Mm -hmm. So if I, if I can't defer it, if I can't delegate it and I can't delete it, then that means it, it must be something that only I can do. Then I do it. Um, I use the archive, archive all of it. And then all of a sudden, and then on a daily basis, because all that stuff in our inbox is so heavy on my mind when I see it. So I archive it into to do later or to look at it later. And then I just focus on what, what I have to do today, but, but I love the three D's you're going to end up, you're going to have to have another conversation about that all in itself, because it's all a clutter, you know, there's so much. It's like, and we're power, you know, it's like you're a powerhouse, right? And it's your overachieving powerhouse and you want to get things done. And we're the yes woman, you know, like I'm happy to do it initially. And I, I loved everything that you had to say from meditation to breathing, you know, stretching, all of that is just so important. You know, one of the things that I got from what you shared with me, it's like, I am actually like the queen of suffering in silence by myself, Uh you know, and when I don't say anything, I start suffering. My mind starts weighing down heavy and all of the content that's in my head starts hurting my body, Mm. you know, somewhere it's a shoulder pain, you know, and then the flexing issues and you know, whether, and then start mindlessly drinking coffee or, you know, when I used to way back in the day, when I used to smoke a lot of cigarettes, it would be like the mindless smoking the cigarette Mm -hmm. just to feel good, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, I just, I love that. Um, you know, the, the thing that we do in life, um, this, whatever it is that we're doing, I I don't know. Sometimes I wake up, I'm like, Kathy, what are you doing? You know? And it's like, I keep writing these big fanatical goals down when people think that I'm almost like out of borderline out of my mind, you know, it's like, how, how big of a, what, how how big of a house do you want on the beach, Kathy? And how much money do you want in the bank? Say it, claim it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, what else is it that you want? And I said, you know what, if I don't, if I don't go into fantasy land, like my reality is going to just weigh me down. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I went into personal development, Regina and personal growth, it was all about how can I work more effectively mm-hmm. and how can I make more money? And what was like the grand scheme and the grand purpose of life? And I do, I love what you said. You are more selective now with the, your time because mm-hmm. time, I mean, we hear it all the time. It's time equals money, right? But it's 
energy currency. I mean, Jim Carrey absolutely. talked about that. Yes, time. Absolutely. Time is finite, but it's the energy piece that I've learned because I was so conditioned. I think many women, I think particularly women of color, we are so conditioned to overwork um, because that is the nature of how we're socialized in this country. Like we, you know, if you look at who's in the kind of corporate echelons, you know, women of color are very underrepresented in leadership roles, overrepresented in service roles and, you know, other jobs that are very grueling and taxing. And that's on top of trying to raise a family or be a caregiver to parents or work in your church or in your community. And so we're so conditioned, like even aside from that, America, we're built on capitalism and, and labor, right? So we're so conditioned to hustle and grind and get the things. Um, and I just having kind of gone through this old, this healing journey and realizing just even having my energy be low from losing my husband and learning meditation and yoga and things I can do to tap my own energy naturally. Mm. I'm very attuned to my energy, even not even just the physical, like how energetic I feel, but even the energy between me and someone else, because someone else's negativity can zap my energy or right. influence my energy. So I try to be very mindful and I look at my day now like a battery or even let me even not even just your day but um just even life like I, it's it's <sighs> I have so much charge in my battery each day right. and I in order to do more I need to recharge oh and absolutely so, yeah and so that's how I try to look at it now that make sure that I'm taking out time like now I have like discovered naps like <laughs> will take up like if I don't have meetings um and it's really like I need a quick break like I will just lay down for like 20 minutes because I'm working from home um and I can and I don't even fully fall asleep it's just the resting my mind mm. or if I do I actually I probably do doze off for a little yeah. part of that 20 30 minutes but I wake up so refreshed because I've allowed myself um to just power down for a little bit. And that's the recharging of the battery. Wow. So, I love that. Yeah, you know, I'm over scheduling too. I should say, sorry, just to, you just, <laughs> I'm so passionate about this. So part of that is to not over schedule and not to over, over tax your battery. So I'm very, um, disciplined about leaving some space in my day so that I can recharge for a little bit. Oh, I love that. When you said that, it reminds me of my nap times too. And it just, you know, being in the silence and the presence of now without anything. And that's one of my practices too. First thing in the morning, I wake up. I don't, I, well, it's not like I, once in a while, I'm guilty of it too, to check my phone before I start mm -hmm. my day. But I try not to, and I sit for a while, you know, for as long as I can, unless there's just super emergency, but I'm the only one that can cause an emergency in my life. You know, I, because I don't let anybody in. Right. So there's, there's this, um, fine, I, I set, I protect my energy too. Mm -hmm. uh, only up until recently for about the past, I would say about a month or not a month, about a year now. I, I know what you're talking about and just laying down and go, oh, just 
enjoying the, you know, the 500 thread count on your bed and, yes. you know, the, the fluffy cotton pillows and uh, oh. feather. And then it's like when they talk about cat naps, <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's what a cat nap feels like. And, you know, just, and just like easing into it. And I haven't, I, my, I would say, as you can see, you know, see my brain is kind of like in a million miles all the time too, but, and it's a practice to slow down mm-hmm. and it's, you know, and, and just like slowing down into the presence of now, it's just so, it's so beautiful, you know, it really just is, it is. And it just, it's also less stressful because I find that all of our stress, we had a conversation before we were talking about our, how, how much we love Eckhart Tolle um, among other, and other folks in that space. But I love how he talks about just the presence is really all the present is really all we have and how so much of our stress comes from like worrying about what's in the past or worrying about the future. And that was like a huge aha for me that really the present moment is all we have control of. This is the now is all that we have. The pre- the past is gone and the future hasn't happened yet. And so um so I I try to remember that when I get stressed out about all the things that are coming up and like I'm now you know, thinking about launching my business and like have this laundry list of things I need to do. And then when I get too amped up, I'm like, just chill, just be right here, right now. Take it one hour, one day at a time and rest. I now, mm, um, instead yes. of, I, I, Kat, I have to tell you, it's revolutionary. <laughs> Let me tell you, like I, before and so I feel like when, after my husband died, like a, a switch flip, like, so maybe I've like lost my mind since <laughs> or maybe I regained it. I guess it depends on the perspective <laughs> or you're just really crazy and you don't know that. <laughs> so, but a flip switched and I just now have just so much more, um, just control over myself and my mind. I'm so much more intentional And I just don't have the energy to like worry and stress anymore. And, and I've truly seen how I do my best when I am rested and clear, Mm, like there's something about, um, even when I'm stressed out on a project, sometimes it's counterintuitive, but if I have a deadline, sometimes I will just take, you know, an hour, go do something else and then come back to it so much more fresh, whereas, or sometimes even come back to it the next day. Whereas when I was in my daily grind, kind of, kind of working my way up the corporate ladder, I would be up all hours of the night, answering emails, trying to do projects on the weekend. And the more time you do that, it's like, it takes you four hours or something to do something that should only take 15 minutes because you're exhausted Mm -hmm. and you're burned out. And so now I'm like, I don't even let myself get to that state. It's so true. And I love that you said that. Um, and I'm like, when they say catching up on your sleep or behind on your sleep, it's so true. If you're behind on anything, then productivity, um, and, and, you know, productivity gets shot, right. Everything gets shot because you have to now catch up to it because you're like, I'm exhausted. I can't focus. You know, there's foggy mindset. Some, when I was not 
taking care of myself, I would look at the screen and everything would just go blank. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what am I looking at? What oh my is gosh. this? It's, it's like gibberish at some point. It's like I would just have my eye would start twitching. Like I was having all I feel like wanting to go to sleep now oh. because we're catching, we're trying to catch up on something. And it's so true. Sleep, healthy eating, all of that seems like you've got you've got all of it. Oh my gosh. I mean, I can, you and I can talk for so long about so many amazing things. Um, why don't we just talk real quick? Let's wrap it up with like your tell, tell us the, tell the audience about bossy and blissful and, you know, and then, um, some upcoming events or anything that you'd like to share. Yes. Okay. I love that. So I, um, I'm in the process of launching bossy and blissful, um, which will be a membership community and essentially a coaching space for, um, black women leaders. And so the goal is to provide them with connection with growth, personal growth and with restoration. So it really is meant to serve women who are bossy, who are leaders, um, but, and I should say, and help them, um, live a more holistic, um, more meaningful life and do that through community. So that's the connection piece. Um, personal growth will happen through courses and workshops. And then also as part of the membership, um, we will do quarterly and annual events. So um, I have a launch event that's happening July 15th. It'll be in the Bay Area. So it'll be an invite only event for Black women leaders in the area, just to give them an experience, like give them um, a chance to experience, because um, I like to do really curated events where um, I pamper the, you know, these women leaders because they have to do so much. We have to do so much for others. I want them to experience bossy and blissful is not a chore, not another thing on the to-do list, but something that they can't wait to do. They can't wait mm. to get, to get, get around their, their community and let their hair down and, um, just exhale. (laughs) I love that. So, um, so that's coming up. Um, and, um, also I will be, uh, I'm working on, um, finishing my manuscript or the manuscript is finished, but I'm working with my publisher to edit it and, um, you know, get the book produced, but I will be, um, I've written my first book and it'll come out, um, Q1 of next year. So February ish timeline. Um, and it really will go into more detail around my, my personal and career journey. Well, we are so excited. I'm personally so excited. I'm so excited for you. I remember how it feels to, you know, to get, get, be, be, be a published author, you know, to get your story out there. And you have a, such a powerful story that I know that can affect and just impact thousands of women out there that has mm-hmm. been on your journey as well. Mm-hmm. And I just, and I, and I love that you have the desire to get community get together, to enroll them in a vision of what's possible for them. Yes. And it's oh, like, that's- <laughs> Thank you. I need to use that phrasing because that's exactly it, Kathy. Like, yes, you enroll them in the idea and this possibility that it's possible. Look, possible. I can do it. I can show you. It's possible. Absolutely. Um, And 
what I see right now being with you is I see a warrior and there's, we need more of us. I mean, there's like 6 billion people on this planet. We like not Oprah can't do it alone. You know, Eckhart Tolle can't do it alone. Bob Proctor can't do it alone. You know, all these big names. I mean, they are, we are sitting on the shoulders of giants, but what we realize is that I am in front and I'm sitting and I'm speaking to someone that is just magnificent. So I want you to congratulate you on your journey. You are just such a powerhouse and I'm just so honored again and so excited for this conversation. Thank you. That like, wow, those are, um, that's a huge compliment and an honor to even be in in the same sentence as some of those folks. And um, thank you. Thank you for this special conversation and Mm. allowing me to share my story and being the magnificent human that you are to create this platform. Thank thank you you. so much. And all your social media links and your email address is going to be um, in the profile um, bio for our podcast. So stay tuned. Thank you everybody for joining us today with Regina Lawless and a wonderful conversation. I'm just so proud and um you know let's stay unmuted guys thank you so much for listening to this conversation if you enjoyed it and want to dive into another stay unmuted episode check out the links in the podcast description life is a journey of continuous beautiful conversations one after another i want to stay unmuted and bring you more inspiration just like this